that song, what it did so well as it spoke the gospel was talked about the fact that there's darkness. Every single one of us is a sinner. Uh, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. Little baby Mia, all the way up to who, who wants to admit to be the oldest in this room? Okay. You, you, yeah, okay. I got Dale back there. From young to old, we're all sinners. Man, woman, doesn't matter. We are all sinners. That's a problem because the Bible says if you're a sinner, you're going to die. And that death isn't just going to be for this physical life, but it'll be for eternity. And so that's a big problem. And God, knowing that problem, had set out from the beginning of the Bible, the beginning of history, going about his plan to save people. His plan wasn't that he would just sit back and tell somebody else to do it. His plan was that he himself would go do it. And so the father sent the son, Jesus Christ, and he took on flesh and he walked the earth and he taught and he healed and he did all those things, cast demons out. But the best thing he did was he went on to a cross and he shed his blood for you and me. He died in your place. The death that you deserve, Jesus took it and he died instead of you. And then he comes back with his blood, having risen from the, the dead, saying, look, I have power over death and I want to give that life to you. I want to give that resurrection life to you. Here's my blood to pay for your sins. And he's invited individuals like you and me into that relationship, a clean relationship, saying I'm no longer a sinner before God. I'm a saint before him. I can live in relationship. So it doesn't matter your past. I guarantee you, each and every one of us is like, yeah, but what about this deep, dark thing? What about what I did way back when? What about what's been done to me? Guess what? There is nobody who is too sinful for Jesus. Remember, when he was on earth, he ate dinner with prostitutes. He was sitting around with the worst of sinners in their day. And why was he there? Because he was saying, do you know how much I love you? And in my love, I don't want you to stay where you are. I want you to go to life. I want you to go to forgiveness. I want you to be with me for eternity. And that's what he wants for all of us, that we would be saved. Okay. No one, when they came out of the womb, was not a sinner. All of us needed saved. That's a little secret. Okay, we all need Jesus. Now, I want to tell you another little secret this morning, and that's this. Unity Church hasn't always existed. Okay? I know that's not a surprise to you, but sometimes we've gone on for so long. And I've only been here for three longs, but I feel like it's been going on forever. And that's in a good way. Okay? Uh, but some of you... It, we have to remember that at one time, somebody came along and the Lord led that man, Alice, and he's like, the Lord's going to have me start a church. Who's, who's in this with me? And that church was started, it was planted, and we're reaping the reward of that today, and we see God's ongoing work in Unity Church. And the reality is, every single church in the world was at some time started. It, we call that planted, that church was planted, it was started. Somebody went and planted that church. And you know what? That's been going on ever since Jesus, having resurrected, went back to the Father and he sent his disciples and said, go tell people about me. And as those people would go out and tell the good gospel, people would be saved. And in those cities where they, would say, they were saved, they would start churches, they would plant churches. And so what happened to us, somebody had heard the gospel and went into a small town named Colossae. And in Colossae, people believed. They said, man, I, I want that forgiveness for my sins. I'm a, I'm a sinner. I need Jesus. I want to be saved. And God did a work in their lives. And as that those people became believers and they came together, there started a church in Colossae. Where there was a great preacher that day named Paul. He had, hadn't been to Colossae, but he was sitting in prison in Rome. And he's heard of the work that's gone on in Colossae. And he says, I, I need to encourage them to stay with their eyes on Jesus. And so he writes a letter. 
And this letter's sent off to the Colossians and they open it up and they read it. And they could say, hey, this is a word. This is a letter from Paul. And certainly he did write it. But the scripture tells us that everybody who wrote scripture was acting on behalf of God. that The Holy Spirit was leading him. And the very words that were going to those churches weren't Paul's. It was through Paul, but it was Jesus's word. So this morning, we're going to get back to that letter to the Colossians. This is Jesus's word to a, a church that had been planted just like Unity Church to a, by a group of people who one time were sinners, but had been made saints. They were now Christians. So if you have your Bible, turn to Colossians chapter one. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles for you in the back vestibule or on the side table. You're welcome to grab one and take it with you. It's yours to keep. You can write your name in it. It's yours. It's free. And and just have that. But we want to make sure everybody has a Bible. This morning, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 1, verse 3. He just ended with his introductions, and he says this. Paul says this to the Colossians. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. So Paul says, man, whenever we pray, man, we just we just have to thank God for the things that we're hearing coming out of your church. We see this. We see that you have faith in God. What does that mean? It means they believe God tells them something. They say, well, that's just what it is. We're just going to trust God for what's going to happen in the future. He said it, we believe it. So Paul says, I've heard the reports that you believe and you just take God at his word. He says also that I see that as a result of you being in the faith, that that demonstrates itself with the way that you love one another. You love all the saints. When you go to church, you actually love the people sitting next to you. You know what? Not every church can say that. There are a lot of churches this morning that there is more war going on in the pews of that church than there is up in Congress in Washington, D.C. And that's a lot of saying something, okay? But he says, man, when I, when I see your faith, I see that that's demonstrating itself. You, you actually love each other. I'm thankful for that. Whenever I pray for you, I'm always thankful for that. But he says, these two things, the faith that you have in Jesus and the love that you have from one of it's springing from somewhere. It's coming. It's not just there. He says, it's coming from the hope that's laid up for you. What he says is, you know that one day Jesus is coming back for you. You know that one day God has promised that he's going to come and he's going to pull you out of this world that is so hard. I've talked with some of you already this morning and you've come out of really hard weeks. You have been turned over and raked and it has been difficult. You're dealing with sickness. You're dealing with death. You're dealing with jerks. You're dealing with you're dealing with life. So were the Colossians. But you know what? They had hope. He said, this is not going to last like this forever. One day Jesus is coming back and he's going to make all things new. He's going to destroy his enemies. He's going to get rid of sin and death. And he is going to put us in his presence forever. It's going to be awesome. So my hope is there. And what it did was because they had the vision of what was to come, it allowed them in the present to just say, I'm just going to believe God. and I'm going to love people until that day, until Jesus comes back. I'm just going to be about Jesus. You know, the times that I'm apart from my wife. I have to leave the home. I got to go to work. I got to go do this. Got to do that. And I have this hope that I'm going to see her again. Well, I'm away from her and I have I have that hope that I'm going to see her again. I'm going to be in her presence. What it does is 
cause me to act in a certain way. When I'm out there because of my faith, I don't go run around with other women, do I? I'm not, I'm not whispering in another girl's ear. I'm not winking. I'm not, I'm not to be looking right. Why? Because my hope is that's my wife. I get to be with her again. And it's demonstrating itself in the way I operate with other people. So even though I'm not with my wife, I'm doing stuff within the community that will honor her. I don't talk about her with other people in a way that's dishonoring. In fact, because of what's happened in my relationship with my wife, it actually helps me to love you better. I'm a better pastor because of my marriage to Katie. Okay, now take that into the realm of our relationship with God. Because of your hope in Jesus, because of that relationship that you have with him, you're not out winking at other gods of this world. You're not worshiping other idols of this world, or you shouldn't be. I shouldn't be, right? We're not supposed to. We're to be faithful and trust the words. And as well, it causes us to demonstrate to one another that, man, I love you, and you love me. Let's play this out. It's all because of Jesus. Faith, hope, and love, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. These remain, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. And Paul sees it at the church of the Colossians, and he says, I thank God. It is encouraging. Can you imagine how encouraging that was? He's sitting in prison. He's like, man, I can see from a distance, though, how good God is being in that church at Colossae. He goes on and says this in the middle of verse 5. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed... In the whole world, it is bearing fruit and growing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. So here, just for a moment, Paul says, you know what? This thing that's happening in you, let me tell you something that's happening. It's happening all over the world. And this good gospel, the good news of Jesus, this news, it's the most powerful thing in all the world. And I'm telling you the truth now. There's not broadband Internet that's more powerful There's not a bulldozer more powerful. There's not a a huge conglomerate business that's more powerful. There's not a nation that's more powerful. There's, There's nothing in nature, earthquakes or tornadoes that's more powerful than Jesus and his gospel. The good news of the gospel does a miracle that nothing else can do. It can get into the darkness of your soul and my soul and say, I'm going to change you. It is a miracle that happens inside of you when it comes and plants itself in the soil of your heart. And then there springs life. It's a miracle. It's the most powerful thing in the world. Paul says, I look out and I see that happening all over the world. And I see that it came to you too. That that seed came in and it was planted and the power of the gospel ignited life in you. It made you into new people. And you've been saved. It's happening all over the world. It's happening all over the world today. There are churches and people all around the world today that are hearing the exact same gospel of Jesus Christ saving them. They didn't have to work off their sin. They didn't have to say, well, let me get good before you save me. Jesus says, no, let me save you and I'll make you good. And then I'll work on you and I'll work on you and I'll walk with you and I'll love you. It's happening all over the world. He's planting the seed of the gospel in people all the world, just like he is in Unity Church. The way the description of this happens in the Bible, it's a lot like a farmer. When I think about farmers right now, I think of Marshall. Okay, I should have a hard time not thinking about Marshall and Lee's produce. And and why I think about that is I think about him going out before any of us have ever put in an order for strawberries. Okay, before long ago, I don't know when you did this, Marshall, but there was one day he went out. And he looked at a field. 
And he looked over that field and he said, you know what I'm going to do with this place? I'm going to plant some strawberries. And he had to go out and plant those strawberries. Maybe it was him, maybe he hired somebody, I don't know how, how you did it. But he went out and he began putting those plants and the seeds and whatever he needed for strawberries, he was putting it in the ground. And then you know what he did? He and his workers, he probably had Kelvin do the hard work, but he went out there and he was putting fertilizer on it and he was watering it and he's praying, I guarantee he was praying over it because the frost was coming and he did everything over that field before you or I ever set eyes on that and can enjoy a juicy strawberry. He went out there and he began to work it and he saw the potential of what could happen in that place. Now, you know what happened? There went the plants and there went the seeds and pow, there was life. I mean, I, I can't do that. I'll kill anything I get a chance to because I'm just not good at gardening. But somebody with care and passion and the ability and a work ethic went and did that. And that's what God is doing all around the world with his gospel. He went out in the world and he looked over that field and he said, you know what? I'm going to plant me some people that are saved. I'm going to take my gospel. I'm going to plant it in their hearts and I'm going to do a miracle. There's life. And the fruit that comes off that is that faith, hope, and love. Somebody has to go plant. You know, Jesus came to earth, but then he went back and he sent out people, right? So Paul's gone out and Peter's gone out and John's gone out. Somebody got to Colossae. Somebody went to Colossae and planted. Somebody's got to go out. And it says here, one of the people that goes, if we keep reading, somebody went out. It says, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. So Paul hasn't visited the Colossae. What happened is there was a guy named Epaphras. And at one time, it sounds like from later on in the book that he was from there. And somehow Epaphras came to know Jesus. He had heard it. Pow, it had changed his life. And so he went to his town and he began telling people about Jesus. And you know what happened? Some people didn't believe. But you know what also happened? Some of those seeds took root. And they began to grow and they believed and they were changed into believers. And there started the church. And it was Epaphras who went in and he plowed and he fertilized and he watered and he prayed over it. He was a faithful minister. He planted that church. And he saw what God had done in that place. And then God called Epaphras to go do some other ministry in some cities called uh, Laodicea. And one other one, I can't remember its name right now. But he goes off into ministry. And at some point he comes to Paul and he says, let me tell you about what's happening over in Colossae. There's this church over there where God came and he changed lives. And, and you got to hear about what this church is doing. They actually believe Jesus. When Jesus speaks, they trust him. They pray to him. They worship him. And you know what? Man, they just love each other. It doesn't matter whether where they're with the person or apart from the person. They actually speak kindly about each other. They pray for one another. They come to each other's rescue when somebody's in need. They, they love each other. They, they encourage each other with the gospel. They teach one another about Jesus. They, they love each other, man. Paul, you got to hear about this church. It was Epaphras. God used Epaphras to go and plant that church. Somebody's got to go. 
Now, it's not always about planting churches. June 11th through the 15th, we've got VBS. We've got kids who are going to come and fill these classrooms. Yeah, they're going to be playing recreation and they're going to be doing crafts and they're going to be singing songs and they're going to be learning about Jesus. But all those things are geared for this. Somebody has got to go plant a seed in their heart. Somebody's got to go. Somebody's got to go tell them the gospel. You're off in your neighborhood. It's easy to wave at the person going down the street. It's easy just to kind of see what kind of new jobs they're doing on their house. You know, we love to kind of snoop and see what's going on. Somebody's got to go take them the gospel. Somebody needs to go tell them about Jesus. You might say, well, they already know about Jesus. Well, good, like a good brother and sister. They don't need to be a part of Unity Church to love another brother and sister. Go see if they have needs. Say, hey, how can I pray for you? What's going on in your life? Your church needs prayer? I'm not going to invite you to my church. I just want to pray that the Lord uses you in your church. Go take the seed of the gospel where the Lord is saying, you be the epiphras. Somebody has got to go. Otherwise, the lost are dying. Otherwise, the Christians are not encouraged. Otherwise, this powerful gospel does not continue to go out and change. Otherwise, the field just goes to waste. Somebody's got to go. There's a man I know. He um, he grew up in this town, and the town was a wicked, wicked town. The gospel came to this guy. The gospel changed his heart. He loved Jesus. You know, and he did all the things he was supposed to. He didn't lie, he didn't cuss, he didn't steal and do all that. He grew up good. And the Lord one day got a hold of him and said, I'm going to send you on a mission. I'm going to go train you up. This guy goes off. And he learns about the Lord. He learns what's going on. He's he's going to this city. He's going to this country. He's going all around serving the Lord. He's the Lord's just using him all over the place. The Lord's working in him and training him up and having him see what's going on in the fields all over the world. The Lord said, "Okay, Now it's time for you to go and it's time for you to be the epiphras. Somebody's got to go back to your town. Somebody's got to go start a church and plant the gospel. You go. That was me. At one point, God had to say, you're my epiphras. You go back to Seattle. I've taken you around the world to train you up to go home. So I started a church. Didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> you know, I was no marshal at that time. I was like, what do I do here? The Lord started a church. And you know what I got to do? It wasn't about me. I planted, watered, fertilized. Others came along and helped out, participated. We watched. You know what? The Lord was doing miracles. The Lord was changing people's life. And you know what? The, the Lord was working on my heart. The Lord that whole time was saying, watch what I'm doing in you. I'm doing something in you. This isn't just about you ministering to others. Your ground still needs work. And so the Lord sent Epaphrasus towards me. And people were coming to me and saying, hey, get your eyes on Jesus. Would you read this about Jesus? Let's go love others for Jesus. People were working towards me. 
And then at some point, God said, okay, your time here is done. He says, I'm going to send you away into the fields of North Carolina. I got this church over there and you're not going to start it. Somebody else started. And I brought about another man who's been there for a while and he's been watering, fertilizing, probably knocking his head against the wall with these stubborn people quite a while. Amen, Billy. You know what? One there was a time back with Billy. The Lord came to him and said, you're my epiphras. You go take unity church. Somebody's got to go. What if he hadn't gone? What if you don't go? I believe that some of you, some of our kids. Some of the ones that are in Bible diggers and training up and going to camp or just in your home learning the gospel. I guarantee you this. Love them now. Train them now and be prepared to say goodbye. Because I believe that the Lord is growing up our kids to be the greatest missionary force in the world. He's going to take them. Maybe it's just to the next county or maybe it's over to China. Maybe he's going to use them to go get my 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 hometown over in Seattle. I pray so. Somebody has got to go. Is it going to be you? Are you prepared to go wherever the Lord sends you? Are you going to be the Epiphras? Are you going to be the Paul? Are you going to encourage others who the Lord has put his hand on and told to go? Are you going to get behind them and help them? Because guess what? God is going to take the gospel and do a work around the world. He's going to do a work in our county. He's going to do a work here. You know what? I want to be a part of that. I want the Lord to look at this church and say, you know what? People are thankful when they look at at Unity Church. Because they listen to Jesus, they love one another, and because of the hope of what's laid up for them, when I tell them to go, they go. When the Lord tells you to go to that person up at the grocery store to go encourage them, go be that epiphras. When the Lord tells you to take a little Sabbath, a time out from work so you can go away with your family and encourage them in the Lord, you go be the epiphras to your family. When the Lord brings you in on a Sunday morning and you are discouraged, you've had a hard week and you look around and you recognize, you know what? There's a lot of other people who have too. The Lord might use you that morning to say, you know what? I'm going to press pause on what's going on with me. I'm going to be the epiphras. I'm going to go encourage someone else. And I guarantee you that will come back and it'll reap a harvest in your own soul. You say, but vacation Bible school, that's so hard. I don't know what to do. I guarantee you if you get involved. And do what the Lord's told you to do in some of these other areas. It's not just about you. The Lord's going to go do something in somebody else. But there's going to be a return. It's going to fill you up. Coming on Sunday mornings is great. Going wherever the Lord wants you every day of the week is better. And it's, it's not always into this room. Somebody's got to go. Somebody's got to plant. Somebody's got to go give the gospel. Are you going to be that epiphras? Are you prepared? My hope is that somebody was to look back and say, here's what I see at Unity Church. I do see a people who listen to Jesus. I do see a people who love one another. Man, have you heard how they pray for one another? And man, they cannot wait to see Jesus face to face. But I'd love to hear that when 
Unity Church was asked to go, that people would say, I thank God because they answered the call. Who's the Lord calling you to this morning? Are you prepared to go? I know I do a yada yakin. I know we've got Bible studies that fill up our week. I know we've got Sunday school. Those things are not just so that Unity Church can maintain a schedule. Those things are because you as epiphrases, when you say, I'm ready to go. My job and our job is to train you to get ready to go. So that when you go, you have something to say. So as we close right here, I just want to pray, first of all, that if anybody hasn't had that pow, that life in their heart right now, that suddenly the Lord would get a hold of you and, and you'd recognize, you know, I'm a sinner. I don't have life in me. I don't know God's forgiveness. And the Lord just says, you know what? Just confess that you're a sinner and say, I believe and be my Lord. And bam, that's the seed. That's the that's the gospel at work. He's done something in you to to stir in you this morning. Like a good farmer goes out and disks the soil. Right, Marshall? He's been disking you. And if he's been disking you, then you just say, Lord, you plant that life in me. I'm sorry. Forgive me. You pray with us as we pray together today. If you are a believer and you've been stubborn, you're saying, let Billy, let Jason, let somebody else go and be the Epiphras. No, if the Lord's telling you to go this morning, I'm going to pray that he dislodges you from that stubbornness, that place where you've just kind of hunkered down and he's going to send you. You have no excuse. It can't be, you can't say I'm too old. And you can't say I'm too young. And you can't say that you don't have an education. You just say, I'm with Jesus. I got to go. So I'm going to pray that if the Lord's telling you to go and do something for him, you go be that epiphras. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your gospel. Most powerful thing in the world. That it could overcome the wickedness of my heart and our hearts. That you would bring it not just to tell us how wicked we are, but that. It's a revelation of how needy we are for you. We need you, Lord. We need your life and we need your forgiveness. We need your work. You've done this. And so, Lord, for those this morning who might be praying for the first time that you would come plant that gospel and then that you would change their life. Lord, I pray that you would come into their heart and that you would offer them forgiveness. Lord, that you would grant them repentance and that they would turn from their sin and turn to Jesus. And that this day would be the first day that they experience true life. And peace and joy and a calling, a meaning for their life, Lord. As well, Lord, we want to put ourselves before you, each and every person who would call themselves a believer today. We put our lives at your feet. And we ask that if you would have us to do something, Lord, if you would call us to be that epiphras, to go. And to be that faithful minister, a faithful brother or sister for the gospel that we would go. Even if it's just back to school this week, Lord, to share the gospel and to live for you. Even if it's back to work this week to share the gospel and live for you. Even if it's back to our own houses and homes where sometimes it's the hardest, Lord. Would you send us to these places to share the gospel and live for you? And Lord, this morning especially, if there are men and women, even young men and women this morning who suddenly feel a call on their lives into ministry. That you might call them to another place or to another people or to somewhere to go plant the gospel. Lord, I pray that you would make that so clear in them right now. 
that there would be a firm, hard conviction in them this morning, knowing that that's, that's you saying it, Lord. It's not them coming up with it. That's you, and that's your call. And I would pray that they would respond to that this morning. Because, Lord, you've said a harvest is coming. So, Lord, would you help us to plant, to water, and to fertilize. And the Scripture says that you are the one who makes things grow. You are the one who gives life. And so, Lord, as we see all these things grow in life and bear fruit, we will give you the thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.